Hello, you're listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast. This is the sound of the start of your weekend, the betting show, and it's sponsored by Betfair with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. Remember that this show is very strictly for over 18s only. Uh, we talk about betting, which comes with significant risks, which you can find out more about at begambleaware.org. Please make sure that you are gambling responsibly. Do not bet more than you can afford to lose. Do not chase your losses. George, how are you feeling heading into what won't quite be a full slate of EFL action? Already a couple have fallen by the wayside, but a fuller slate than some of the slates that we've been served over the last few weeks. I'm taking the positives. It is at 9.40 on Thursday morning. Let's um, let's hope it's not too many fall uh, in the next what, 48 hours or so. I mean, we now know there, aren't, there isn't any testing on the day of games. So once we get to tomorrow evening, then we're, we're plain sailing. Um, you know, when you're relying on Cambridge going to Newcastle and getting a win for your only bit of green on a on a game week. <laughs> it's not going too well at the moment, but I'm I'm hoping that we can turn it around. Some pick though. I think probably the pick of the season so far. Massive applause from me. Obviously uh less impressive, but uh it was a good week for both of us on the lay pick. I laid Burnley uh against Huddersfield in the cup and that was a winner as well. Burnley uh, 1.75 I laid them and we know of at least one happy punter in the NTT20 betting squad, uh, the community we run through Leveller who heard the betting show last week, who heard our lays of Newcastle and Burnley, flipped it and put a Huddersfield and Cambridge double on and enjoyed a winner at just over 60 to 1. We love hearing about those. As for the rest of your week, George, there's only one thing I'm going to focus on and it's not the unders call of Barnsley 5, Barrow 4. It's actually the Oxford United nap. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. George Ellick, undeniably a poor record when predicting Oxford United games. Not just when predicting Oxford to win, we should say. It's not just being a homer, as they say in the States. It's all Oxford games. Focus on the other 71 teams, mate, because it was another poor prediction, Oxford losing 2-0 to Lincoln. It's hard to watch as your friend this, George. I'm trying to get through to you. It's not working. <laughs> yeah, and I spoke about how I, I was convinced the market would move my way. Uh, and about 24 hours before the game it had, and Oxford were into kind of um, 21 to 20, no enough even money. And then in, in the hour or two before the game, there was a massive drift. And Lincoln near enough on our favourites. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I doffed my cap to the, to the market. It knew, I didn't. Um, and from... Genuinely, from about 30 seconds into the game, um, I, our fate was basically sealed because Lincoln were by far the better team and were, were, were more than good value for their 2-0 win. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm doing. My nap got up. Coventry did beat Derby. It was a good start to the year of the stance. Bradford did not beat Carlisle in my next best. Uh, my goals pick didn't come in. Those have not been going well recently. And big Owen O'Connell, who was nailed on to score for Dale against Colu at 25-1, to 1, uh, that game got called off. So let's approach this weekend, starting with our best bets. George, what is your nap across the EFL this Saturday or Sunday? Difficult docket, I thought, this week. There wasn't really anything in, in the normal you know the normal one one by two market um, that I I liked. So I'm going into I'm delving into the the sub markets and I am and I'm I'm going to back uh, Middlesbrough. Unsurprising for those who listen to this podcast a lot that I'm backing Middlesbrough. I'm going to back Middlesbrough to make three subs. And I'm going to back I'm going to back Middlesbrough. That very good, mate. I'm going to back Middlesbrough um, minus one goal at seven to five at home to Reading. 
the performances in recent weeks have been incredibly poor. It's important not to focus too much on one game, but I think Tuesday night was was very significant where they were beaten 7-0 at home uh, by Fulham. Now, they aren't the first team to lose 7-0 at home to Fulham this season. They are the first team to lose to Fulham 7-0 with 11 men on the pitch. We saw Blackburn uh, kind of use that result and that performance as a springboard to start an unlikely promotion push. I think the chances of Reading doing similar are very unlikely. I am pretty amazed that at time of recording on Thursday morning, Vyko Paunovic is still Reading manager. I definitely assumed that there was going to be some news yesterday uh, informing us of his firing. I, I don't know if the financial issues at Reading may mean that hiring a better replacement would be difficult, but more so than the Blackburn fans' disillusionment with Tony Mowbray after that game, there seems to be a widespread desire from Reading fans for, for Paunovic to go. And for that reason, I think when you can take, you know, not only do I think Middlesbrough are more than capable of beating Reading by by two goals or more, um, and I think the odds against you're getting for that is value, when you've got circumstances around the game, such as a manager whose uh, tenure is looking pretty perilous, I think that only plays into the hands of a bet when it's a handicap bet, because you know you can you can very much see Reading downing tools as soon as things get difficult. I think I've said it before on the on the on the pod as well. I think Middlesbrough are basically due to beat a team well. You know, you often hear fans say that like it was coming, and, and often the reason why fans will say that is because you know when your side is playing very well consistently. Um, the chances are eventually that the, the level of um, superiority will, will be played out in the, the result. And that hasn't really happened yet for, for Wilder um, at Borough, even though they've won a lot of games. Um, you know, last time we saw them at home in the league, they did beat Forest 2-0 uh, in such a dominant 2-0 performance. But I think that's the only game where they've covered the minus one handicap. I don't think that is anything to worry about. I think it's quite the opposite. If Borough continue playing the way they are, then they're going to cover that handicap much more often. And they've got in Reading an, an opposition who are far weaker than most of the teams that they've played. Andy Carroll is clearly the thorn. Anyone who hasn't seen Andy Carroll's brace against Fulham should go back and watch it. It's probably one of the best braces you're ever going to see. Uh, anyone who uh, hasn't been following will be wondering, wondering what I'm talking about, given I just said they lost 7-0. Uh, both goals were disallowed. But, um, <laughs> you know, he, he is somebody who... I think it's becoming quite clear now. Um, it was a bit of a masterstroke in terms of the signing and he certainly retains a lot of his footballing ability. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily enough to carry Reading um, anywhere and their defensive frailties are going to be exposed again. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who Borough pick. Really classic Chris Wilder fashion. He has moved very quickly to bring in new attacking options. Uh, Balogun's come in from Arsenal. Aaron Connolly's come in from Borough. I think Riley McGree is set to join, which will frustrate Birmingham fans who were told there was no way he'd be he'd be available um, after his his loan spell there. But uh, you know that that it, long term it concerns me a little bit. I I don't think Wilder's record post January with signings is necessarily that strong. Um, but for this, I, I yeah I can't see why this won't be more of the same. So yeah, I think Barra at seven or five is is my nap. A few weeks ago, minus one Barra minus one I should say. My nap is also in the Championship. It's Blackpool to beat Barnsley at 2.8. They're 9-5 to five to win at Oakwell. I have to say, first up, there's a chance that this one falls by the COVID wayside. Uh, Barnsley were due to play on Wednesday night and that game got called off due to COVID cases within their camp. So they must have been fairly strongly impacted. Uh, I've slightly lost track of 
you know, it's quite hard to second guess how many days do they need? How likely is it that they'll play on Saturday? There's obviously a chance this one gets called. But if it goes ahead, I'm backing Blackpool strongly here. Um, this I can't imagine I'd have, I'd have had many naps uh, at this price or longer this season, which kind of underlines how strongly I feel about it. Barnsley, quite simply, the worst team in the league. After three games of Poyer as Baggy, I was willing to say that I'd seen some small green shoots, very particularly in terms of shoring them up defensively. They couldn't have got much worse and they did improve briefly. And I wondered whether on that platform they could build some semblance of half-decent attacking play. That's not happened. Uh, and if anything, they might have regressed a little defensively as well. I, I, I know the players have made more positive noises about Asbaggy uh, than they did shop. And it might be that they could continue to improve slowly throughout the season. But frankly, they don't have the time to do that. Um, they are still the worst team in the league under Asbaggy uh, as they were under shop, I think. Um, they're, the Fox Punter data suggests that overall they're actually worse at home on balance of play and XG ratio compared to away from home. They concede a similar amount of chances, both home and away, but create next to nothing at Oakwell. And you wonder whether, um, both in general and very particularly this weekend, the fan unrest, the... I'm not sure if apathy is the right word. There's just a lot of dismay from the fan base being projected onto this team. And you can't blame the fans. This is a difficult team to support this season. Um, they've won two games only in the league, even winning in the cup last week, 5-4 against Barrow, having been 2-0 up against 10 men. You're not leaving that game feeling positive. So almost no positive energy coming from the stands. And again, I understand why that would be. I think they're a, a tough team to support at the moment. Um, as for Blackpool, well, they're 19 points better off than Barnsley at this stage of the season. I think that yeah, hey, that's a significant gap between two teams after, what, half of a season. I think it sums up what I think is a big, big difference in class and quality between the two sides. Blackpool obviously did the business for us in our double nap two weeks ago against Hull. Uh, we, had we had felt that their performances in defeats leading up to that game had been much better than the results suggested. And then we kind of enjoyed the flip side of that, I guess, where they weren't brilliant against Hull, but they did the business. They did the job. I, I think, like last season, and maybe this will be a, a, a Neil Critchley trend throughout his career, they're getting stronger as the season goes on. They are suffering injuries. That's kind of hindering them a little bit. But in general, I think the quality of this side is improving as we go. Not quite to the eye-catching extent of last season when they were the best team in the league, ultimately, for the, the second what, what, for the last three quarters of the season, but just generally benefiting as they did last season from Critchley's coaching, from his good shape out of possession, from nice patterns of play going forward. Um, they, they know what they're doing and that reflects very well on Critchley. Their away record's not amazing. They've won three, drawn four, lost five, but Barnsley's home record is even worse. They've won only two, drawn four and lost six. So I'm not too concerned about Blackpool travelling here, especially, as I said, with what I consider to be not a lot of positivity uh, emanating from the stands onto the pitch and not a huge amount of positivity within this Barnsley side right now. Um, you've got to be a bit concerned about Blackpool. They threw away a lead on the weekend against Hartlepool to lose in the FA Cup. Keshi Anderson and James Husband both went off injured. That's their left side, or at least their normal left side. They might be missing here. Winter, of course, got recalled by Cardiff as well, and there is a sense that they need a placement very swiftly. Um, but Barnsley without Woodrow recently, without Hellick, their centre-back last week, no idea if he'll return, but I don't think so. That's their key attacker and their key centre-back. So I think the injuries, even that isn't exactly weighted in Barnsley's favour. I think there's a big gap between the two sides. 
Um, I, I don't see Barnsley as having a huge amount of home advantage here. So if this game goes ahead, I'm going to be backing Blackpool here. They're my nap at 2.8 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Next best. Yeah, my next best is in League One. And it is Accrington to beat Sunderland at 3-1. to one. Um, Ooh, spicy. Yeah, I know. I, I think it, it's kind of leaning quite heavily on the on the streaky Lee narrative, really. Um, we know that he's a manager. I feel like I've said this 400 times. He's a manager who, um, when when things are going well, um, you know, the runs are, are very good. And when things dip, normally there's a, a big losing streak. They go to an Accrington side who have proven themselves over the last few weeks to be a match for anyone at home. You know, they've beaten Rotherham. Uh, they've beaten, well, which no one has done. Um, they drew one all with MK last time uh, and down to 10 minutes in the second half of the game. Uh, they beat Bolton, who, I mean, I know the Bolton's form is, is horrendous, but they are the, the one weird data outlier at the moment in League One. Uh, I think it's because they spend so much time losing. But they are, you know, they're a very, very good side at home and they will relish the opportunity to come up against the Sunderland side who they will see as being vulnerable. Um, Sunderland will be without Carl Winchester after his sending off in midweek. Um, they'll be without Lee Johnson after his sending off in midweek on the touchline. And, it, you know, you, you can't really think of a, a performance and a result that would cause such, you know, such a good run to end in a way that will make them vulnerable as as that result against Lincoln, where they came up against a side in Lincoln, who I think all the fans would have expected to be comfortably at home, given their, the way they were playing, given Ross Stewart's um, goal scoring run, everything about them just suggested they were on a massive upward turn. And Chris McGuire, their former hero, uh, scores a hat-trick, shouts in the face of the manager, gets roundly booed. It, it was a nightmare of an evening on Tuesday night. It couldn't really have gone worse. Um, and there will be doubts creeping into Sunderland. And, uh, you know, in terms of, of games to follow that up with, I can't think of many worse. It's another game where the fans would expect to win, but it's a very, very difficult place to go against the canny operator and John Coleman. So, you know, it, it is leaning heavily on on that trend that we often see but I think at three to one about an Accrington side I think we can be totally convinced we'll give Sunderland a very very awkward afternoon um has to be value so Accrington three to one is my next best nice like it uh, I'm going to league two uh Sutton United they're going to Stevenage on Saturday I'm backing them to win at 2.62 there's no strong year of the stance stuff here um that's coming later but Stevenage well they beat Walsall at home last weekend three one and you have to look at these wins after long stretches without. You have to try and work out, is this a catalyst? Is this a huge jump in performance level that I think could be maintained to the next weekend, to the next four weeks? I'm leaning towards no. I don't think Stevenage's 3-1 win at home to Walsall this weekend was some turning of the corner, some hugely significant performance in, in full of quality and full of newfound confidence. I'm, I'm not ready to say that. They, they scored through a sliced clearance into his own net from Walsall centre-back Menais in the first minute. Uh, they scored a second goal not too long after that, I think the eighth minute. They were 2-0 up early. They saw the game out relatively well. They, they weren't hugely troubled by Walsall, who did pull one back, um, and Stevenage scored an injury time to, to put the gloss on it, 3-1 win. I'm not buying that just yet to say, yep, yeah, Stevenage are now back in business. I still think they're one of the poorest teams in the league. And I guess if there is a stance, it's a controversial one, Georgia. That is that Sutton United win football matches. 12 of their last 19 in the league, to be more specific. Uh, we've talked about it quite a lot on the Monday pod. Um, there's, there's not 
a million things to dive into necessarily within this Sutton team. What they are is uh, incredibly well organised, highly motivated, incredibly comfortable in their style of play, a style of play that allows them to cause a lot of problems for the opposition while also restricting uh, opposition chances fairly well. They're not an incredible defensive team. It's probably their weakness if you had to find one. They don't compare that well to the other teams around them at the top of the table defensively, but they're good enough, that's for sure, and they have myriad attacking threats. So, you know, a month ago, I backed against Sutton on this show uh, up at Bradford because of an injury crisis. I checked that out. It's eased a little. Uh, Ajaboy now is probably uh, their biggest absence. I'm not sure why, but he's missed the last couple of games, the last two games in all comps. Uh, but Craig Eastman will be back here from a suspension, which is huge for them. He'll slot back into midfield alongside Ali Smith. They've got this settled side. Good Liff and John at the back. Uh, Kizzy's back at right back. Milsom can play left back where previously he's been moved out of position due to the injury crisis. And as we know, out wide and up top, two wingers, two strikers. They've got a rotating cast of, of well, highly effective players. You only have to look at the, the number of different goal scorers they've had in the league this season to see their varied threat. So I'm I'm banking on, I'm betting on, Stevenage still being one of the worst teams in the league and Sutton being all the things that I've said and one of the best teams in the league, which reflects the amount of games that they've won this season and their position in the table. I want to be on the Sutton side of this at 13-8 to 8 with the Betfair Sportsbook. That's my next best. And don't forget that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles and to multiples. So any bets on match odds for an EFL game or a multiple this weekend, there'll be no cash-out suspensions whatsoever. That leads us to the Betfair Exchange. George, we've got lays to make. I'm laying Rotherham at Fleetwood um, at 1.52. Um I mean, I, I am a paid paid up member of the the Rotherham, the Paul Warren fan club, and I am holding some tickets with them to win the league that I hope comes in, and I'm and I'm fairly confident that it will come in. So this there, there's no angle here against Rotherham at all. As we both mentioned on Monday, it feels like if there has been a moment of vulnerability, it is now. Although Sunderland losing three one at home to Lincoln in midweek certainly helped our cause in that respect, but you know that it's not really played out in the data. The data says has still has Rotherham. 80% XG ratio in the last four games, 77% in the last eight games. Part of that will be because, you know, the, what we're conceiving is poorer form is actually just tighter games. It means that they're, you know, they're level for longer, um, which inevitably because of their strength means that they're going to um, post better numbers. So I'm kind of happy to to shelve that a little bit, even though it's still showing that they are by no means having a massive dip of form at all. Um, but I, it's just going into the unknown against Fleetwood, really, that is the reason why I think they're just a little bit short away from home at that price. No, at two on against the Fleetwood side who have a new manager in Stephen Craney, who have a new striker in Ellis Harrison. Um, you know, we don't know much about Craney. I'm, I'm fairly confident that Harrison is, is a massive upgrade in terms of actually having a, a striker of his ilk who can hold the ball up, who can score some goals, although he's never going to be prolific, but is generally just a, a classier footballer, um, even if some Pompey fans may not agree in terms of what he brings to an all-round game. He, he's a, a, a good signing. Um and you know, there's still a lot to play for here. They come, come here off the back of a 1-0 win against Doncaster. Um, it's just given that there is a, a, a feasibility that they are improved under Craney, which might not be factored into the price. Um, and given certain some doubts about Rotherham, it just seems uh, a very, very short price. So, um, you know, it, as I always say with these, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Rotherham run right here. Um, but I think at 2-1, there's only one side of it I'd want to be on, and that's the, the lay side. Mm. I was half tempted to lay Fulham 
because they're one of the shortest prices a championship team's been since we've done this. I just <laughs> wanted to mark the occasion by laying them. <laughs> what are they, about 1.24 on the exchange? And I thought, well, you know, even if that's even if Fulham win heartily, I've only lost 0.24 of a point. Um, but I did not do that. I've laid Exeter City instead. Been matched this morning on the Betfair Exchange at 1.65. They're at home to... Scunthorpe. I've been struggling to get a grip on Scunny, I think it's fair to say, over the last few weeks, uh, in particular backing them to beat Carlisle when they didn't. And they were, they were poor. In fact, they've been poor their last two league games. They got beaten 4-0 against Tranmere, a drubbing, really. Um, a lot of the goals were... It, it, what, it wasn't like they were getting sliced open time and time again. Tranmere don't really do that. Um, a lot of the goals were good finishes, I think, of Nevitt and Jolly... Good strikes from just outside the box from the edge, but they certainly weren't good enough and their response to going behind was not good enough. So I'm asking Scunny here to get back to their form of November and December where they went unbeaten in five, drawing four of them. So they didn't pick up a lot of points, but under Keith Hill, we felt like we'd seen some improvement in their steel. Uh, or their iron, I should probably say. They, they were just kind of shutting teams down. They were doing a much better job at being a coherent football team until the last two games where they have been poor uh, in different ways against Carlisle and Tranmere. Against Carlisle, they had much more of the ball. They just didn't do enough with it, conceded from a set piece. Tranmere, as I say, um, conceded some, some good goals and never really responded to it. They travelled to Exeter this weekend. And Exeter are a weird one because I can't quite work out whether... I expect them to put together a really good run, the like of which they had earlier this season. I think they broke their club record for unbeaten games. So given that, it's a bit odd when you look at the league table and you see that they're outside the playoff places uh, in ninth at the moment. You know, albeit having played, um, what? well, actually, they haven't even played that many games fewer. Uh, one game fewer than Newport and, and Tranmere, but generally the same as everyone else. So um, it's because of draws. They've drawn 10 of their 23 games, winning eight and, and losing five. You know, eight wins in 23 games, getting over the line seems to be a bit of an issue for Exeter. It's only five of uh, 11 at home, five wins out of 11. So less than half their games, they're winning at home. Their overall record against bottom half teams is four wins, seven draws and one defeat. So again, they've only won a third of their games against bottom half teams. Now, you know, they were very impressive against Forest Green in a nil or draw last midweek. But if you want to be at least in the playoff places, Exeter, who are a good attacking team, we know, very technical, um, good in possession, create lots of chances in general, but they have to be better at, at beating the teams down at the bottom, and they haven't been this season. They're missing men at the back. Uh, Hartridge and Ray haven't played for a while. Last week against Forest Green, again, hugely impressive. The better side there, which was a big surprise, with a makeshift back three of Kite, Diabate and Grounds. That's a non-centre-back. Uh, 18-year-old centre-back and a 33, 34-year-old centre-back who'd barely played. Um, they did do well and Sweeney, who is part of their normal first-choice centre-back trio, uh, might be back here after playing 45 minutes in the trophy in midweek. But Nombe's a big miss for me up front. It's not that they don't have another striker to play there. Padge, Podge, or Amond, rather, has been playing recently. Uh, ben Seymour, uh, youth talent product, has been playing there. But Nombe offers just stretching defences, just a threat in behind. And those two don't seem to be offering that. You've got Matt Jay and Giovanni Brown, brilliant players, brilliant attacking players. Jay is a goal threat. Brown 
an amazing creator. They offer a lot from in front of the defence, but it just takes away a dimension to their attack when you haven't got Nombe, who is so mobile and can really stretch defences and, and create space for other players as well. So I think that's a big miss. Um, and so, yeah, all of that leads me to laying extra this weekend. 1.65. There's... I'm very aware that with this lay, it feels more likely than any other that there's a chance they just absolutely smash them and score four four or more like Tramir did last week. But I think there's an equally good chance, if not more, of a frustrating day for Exeter uh, and a Scunthorpe side, backs to the wall perhaps, who are, who are motivated to, to do their best. So laying Exeter 1.65. Goals next. I love them. You love them. Now we've got to pick them. I'm going for two teams to score a goal. Both of them to score. Wow. Novel. It's called BTTS. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it is Port Vale against Swindon Town. And it is 20 to 23. Now, th- the main part of this is is Swindon, who um, whose games have, as the season has gone on, and I, I don't know why, maybe it's because their playing style's kind of been found out a little bit, at least their defensive frailties, but their games have started to descend into madness um, in recent weeks. They, they've had a 3-2 away defeat at um, Mansfield. Both teams score cocked against Man City, where Harry McCurdy scored. Sadly, it wasn't Kane Kester-Hayden, who no longer plays for them. Uh, they beat Northampton 5-2 after being 2-1 down. Um, we saw them uh, lose 4-1 away at Leighton Orient. For whatever reason, their games recently have been carnage. They've been chaos. And I think that's because under Ben Garner, that is going to be the way that they play. They're going to look to get the ball on the deck and to attack that way where possible. And some defensive frailties have, have kind of slowly, progressively got worse over the course of the season. Um, that's played out in in the data side of things as well, where um, over the last four games, Swindon have, and that's before the, the Mansfield game actually, uh, Swindon averaging probably the highest goal expectancy per game uh, with three in the last four, uh, three expected goals per game. Um, and previous to that as well, uh, 1.64, 1.32 against uh, in their last eight. They go to a Port Vale side who are, are pretty strong um, and, and are favourites to win this one. But themselves, it, it you know, the idea that I think there is a, a perception of them being a fairly solid, quite dull side uh, in terms of just, just in the Northampton style of being pretty relentlessly good. Um, but if you're looking at BTTS that's copped in most of their games uh, recently, they lost, sorry, they beat Bristol Rovers 2-1. Away from home, they had a three-two away loss at Oldham. Um, one all at home to Bradford. You know they they're, they're not a a side who will keep Swindon out fairly comfortably. Um, given what's at risk here, you know these are two sides who currently occupy playoff positions who still have aspirations to to challenge for the top three. Um, it's a big game, and, and I think we'll see Swindon try and take the to try and take the game to Port Vale. And I've got faith that both teams will have chances to to score it should be pretty end-to-end rather than one team looking to defend and stifle so for that reason i think the the 20 to 23 about both teams scoring um is fair i, I nearly went for the over two and a half odds against at 11 to 10 um, but decided btts was a better value because the way i think the game is going to progress in terms of, of both teams looking to attack um so that's what i'm going for here yeah i'm mixing it up a little bit because this has been the thorn in my side this season, really, the the goals bets. Looking at the, the stats provided by El Arbitro, it's where I'm, it's where I'm hemorrhaging. So um, again, I'm chopping and changing, trying to find on a winning uh, a winning formula. And I'm, uh, I'm gonna pick two teams to score over 1.5 goals themselves, and I'm going over 1.5 goals to be scored by Sheffield United away at Derby. 
year of the stance alert. <laughs> and Newport County at home to Harrogate, over 1.5 goals both. Sheffield United is 7-5 to score two or more. Newport are even money to score two or more. The double is 4.8 with the sportsbook. Sheffield United, the stance here is, I mean, it's, it's specific to Derby, who I think uh, are, are not going to pick up the same amount of points uh, in the next few weeks as they have done in the last few weeks. Uh, more specifically, it's a stance that the way that they defend, the method of, of their defending, which has served them very well in terms of goals conceded, they've conceded less than a goal a game at home, I basically don't think it's as good as that suggests. Um, I think there's a bit of luck involved, a lot of last-ditch stuff, and I think that's the sort of thing that can go the other way. I think that's the sort of thing where if there's a little leak, if one goal can be scored, I think the dam could could burst. And I think Sheffield United are well-placed to do that. They're obviously in great form. They're frustrated because they haven't played a league game for a few weeks due to opposition COVID issues, and they should have plenty of firepower here. I'm hoping that Hecky's disruptors are, are ready to rock and roll because I think that they can cut loose a little bit. I think they'll have a lot of chances, a lot of shots at goal. Sheffield United over 1.5 is 7-5, to five, and Newport over 1.5 goals at home to Harrogate. This is even money. I was tempted to back Newport here. They're just odds on, I think, 10 to 11 this morning. Uh, it just felt a bit trappy because we know that Harrogate can pose a threat themselves. And Newport looked uh, pretty poor defensively against Salford in midweek with Dolan out due to COVID issues. But Harrogate defensively poor and their record against the top teams is very poor. Harrogate's first 11 games of the season were excellent. I think they won six of their first 11, but they've lost seven of their next 11 and they've dropped away significantly to, to mid-table. And I think they'll probably settle in the bottom half of the table. Um, the, the early season excitement is is somewhat over. They've got an important departure as well to tell you about Connor Hall, their centre-back, who started every game that he was fit this season at the heart of Harrogate's back four, moved to Port Vale this week. And Leon Legg, has gone the other way from Vale to Harrogate. But he, he's lost his place in Vale's team and, and has only started one game since August. So I think that probably impacts them. So I like Newport here. I think that they can cut loose at home. We've seen them do that a few times under James Robry. I'm not too worried that they didn't score against Salford in midweek. They had two or three big chances in the first half an hour. No fans at the game, of course, because uh, Newport are in Wales. But how concerning is that? Well, last season... Newport didn't have fans for the whole year, obviously, and they won 13 of their 23 home games. So I'm not too concerned about that. The double here, Newport over 1.5 goals, Sheffield United over 1.5 goals, 4.8 the double. And remember, we're Betfair. If you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you will receive a £5 free bet also for use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply for that. Leads us on to the final point. Goal scorers. Yeah, I think Morecambe are a big price at AFC Wimbledon. Um, it would have Wimbledon probably would have been next on my list for a lay bet, um, and for that reason, given what we know about both sides, you know, we know that Morecambe are a team who, you know, even if they go down this season, are going to go down swinging. Um, the way that they are set up, they are set up to attack by Stephen Robinson, and that's the only way they know how. And that should make for a good game here because we know that AFC Wimbledon are another side who who like to get the ball forward and play as much as possible. Um, so goals, even if AFC Wimbledon justify their, you know, I think they're about 1.8 on the exchange to win this, um, even if they justify that, it, it could easily still be a high-scoring game with, with Morecambe scoring a couple. So I wanted to look at who in the Morecambe side was, because naturally when a team are a big price to win a game, um, their players are, are, are a bigger price to score in it. Um, Cole Stockton, unsurprisingly, is, is the most likely, but he's still, you know, I think he's 9-5 to, to score any time, which... I wouldn't put anyone off at all. 
Um, but I'm interested in Alfie McCalmon, who um, is there on loan from Leeds. Uh, we know that he is somebody with a the potential to score goals. You know, he scored eight non-penalty goals in 32 starts and four substitute appearances last season for, for a, a fairly poor Oldham side in League Two, many of which were, were fairly spectacular as well. Um, at Morecambe so far, he's got just the one um, so far in the league. But looking at his, you know, at the old the, the shot stats, he, he's getting shots off fairly regularly. Now, you know, they're not from the best locations. And I'm, you know, I'm not sitting here saying he's racking up high XG numbers at all. He isn't. Um, but as I say, last season he scored plenty of goals. He is very, very capable of scoring goals from from those areas. And I think he's due. You know, you look at the last league game um, they had was the four three win over Doncaster, and he was hooked at half time before the comeback. Not great news, but he had two shots in that first half. He had two shots away at, at, at Pompey a couple of weeks ago. He had two shots at home to MK Dons in the four nil defeat. He had two shots at Fleetwood a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in the game that he scored at Wickham, he had three shots scoring one. He had two shots against Burton away um, a week after that. You know, he is somebody who, when he's playing 90 minutes, is getting into goal score, well, into shooting positions at least. And I, I do not think, you know, especially in a game where they're playing against a side in the bottom half of the table who have their own defensive frailties, I do not think 8-1 to one is in any way representative of the likelihood of him scoring. Um, if he's 8-1, to one, this is a classic case, a bit like... Um, uh, McConville um, at Accrington, um, where even if this is basically one just to keep backing, I think. Um, so even if I don't, as was the case with McConville when it did cop about four weeks later, even if I'm not tipping him up every week, have a look for for McCalmont's price because as long as he's eight to one and he's starting games for Morecambe, um, that that's a an oversight. Um, it's it's representative of, of purely his goal scoring record this season rather than the player that he is, the skill set he has, and his historical record as well. My goal scorer is Billy Sharp at 15 to 8 anytime to score for Sheffield United against Derby County, evidently from my last pick. I like Sheffield United goals here. So it stands to reason that I would think a, a Blades goal scorer might have some value and check them out, which I did. And the Betfair Sportsbook has five Blades strikers priced up all the same 4 to 1 first and last, 15 to 8 anytime. Uh, and of course, not all blade strikers are created equal. I don't think they should all be the same price, personally. Um, Sharp looks at those four, McBurney, Mousset, Brewster, McGoldrick, and says, you know, you guys merely adopted the goal scoring. I was born in it, moulded by it. And he was. One of his favourite opponents in his career is Derby County. He has scored nine goals in 16 games against them. And just looking at that batch of strikers, I'm taking Mousset out because A, He's barely played all season, so his sample size is very small. And obviously he had that great game against Barnsley. But also, he hasn't played at all in the last month or so, so I'm not sure he's likely to start here. Sharp's got the best goals per 90, the best XG per 90. He takes pens as well. And and more specifically, in terms of the way I, I see this game playing out, I expect Sheffield United to have a lot of possession. I expect them to... Maybe not a lot of possession, because we know Derby are quite happy to keep the ball, even you know mainly in their own half. I just expect Sheffield United, if they play as well as I think they can, to have a lot of opportunities. Uh, and who's the man that's best at finding space in the box and making the most of, of scraps in and around it? It's Billy Sharp. That's what he does. He's the pick, 15-8, uh, any time with the Betfair Sportsbook. I also i am just going to mention, because um, it follows on from my last pick, I've obviously looked at Newport as well. Dom Telford is 9-5 to five to score. 
I think that's pretty generous. I, I, I do think someone who goes on a goal-scoring streak like he did can be, you know, that can be a bit loud, can't it? A bit noisy in terms of punting. But I was still surprised that he was 9-5 to five and not a lot shorter because, you know, Newport are odds, again, uh, are odds on to win that game. Um, and for them to score two goals or more is is even money. So I think the 9-5 to five for Telford is very fair. And I'll be doubling him up with Sharp at 7-1 to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. But for the purposes of our scoring and the picks, Billy Sharp locked in 15-8 to eight anytime for Sheffield United against Derby. George, I'd like to ask you, please, to recap your bets and then we can head into the weekend. Yeah, Borough minus one is my nap. Um, Accrington next best to beat Sunderland at three to one. Rotherham in the lay, just seeing that Fleetwood are about to announce Zach Jules signing on loan to the end of the season, which is another positive step for them and further bolsters my my opinion that they might be on the upgrade a little bit. Uh, both teams to score, Vale versus Swindon is my goals bet and then Alfie McCann wants to score any time at eight to one. Uh, for uh, Morecambe at AFC Wimbledon. Lovely. Very nice. My nap is Blackpool 2.8 away at Barnsley. Sutton 13 to 8, 2.62 away to Stevenage in League 2. I'm laying Exeter, been matched on the exchange at 1.65. My goals pick is a double of 4.8 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Over 1.5 team goals for Sheffield United and the same for Newport County at home to Harrogate. And I'm backing Billy Sharp anytime at 15 to 8 to score four blades this weekend in the EFL. That's been the sound of the start of your weekend. A massive, massive thank you to Betfair for their support of the Not The Top 20 podcast, allowing us to do what we do twice weekly, covering the EFL as best we can. Make sure you check out George Ellick on EFL on Quest this Saturday night. I'll be watching and I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to chatting to you guys again on Monday. Hopefully we'll have plenty to break down. We normally do. Have a great weekend, guys. 